Back to rural Queensland today. Uh, Dr. Bronwyn Orr is the Australian Veterinary Association President. She joins us this morning on rural Queensland today as a growing number of Aussie vets are struggling uh, with mental health issues. This doesn't surprise me. They are overworked. There is a shortage of vets, um, just like there are in GPs, and these same problems are continuing to rise uh, throughout Australia, especially in regional Queensland and throughout regional uh, areas. Uh, Bronwyn, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. The research that's been conducted found that veterinarians have a higher rate of personal mental health issues than the general population. What other factors do you think uh, that are causing this? Well, you definitely hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that, you know, it's it's the long hours, it's the, the shortage of veterinary staff that we have, which is, you know, putting increased pressure on, on the vets that are, that are out there. But there's a, quite a few other things as well. You know, we know that rural and regional areas, um, you know, it can be quite hard to get um, adequate coverage, particularly for things like after hours. So, you know, vets in these areas generally tend to, you know, work and be on call after hours after doing a, you know, solid 10 hour or 12 hour day. Um, but there's also things like low remuneration. So, you know, the pay is, um, not, not very good and definitely not, uh, matching the sort of outlay that vets put into getting into that career and it's just causing a bit of a perfect storm. It happened before COVID. It's been a slow moving beast, but COVID certainly seems to have exacerbated a few things, which is why we are trying to take action in the veterinary industry um, and we're pulling together an industry roundtable to try and find some solutions to some of these problems. Oh, look, there's no two ways about it. I've got friends of mine, five years they went and did the university degree. Then they start off as uh, as a vet in a practice working with somebody and, and no disrespect for the study and the knowledge and the service they provide, the salary is embarrassingly low, like dreadful. And I mean that genuinely. Like it, you start off is, and so then you grind and you grind and you grind and eventually, and I don't even know if this is possible, that they, they're trying to buy and get into a practice and then they have to buy into somebody's practice or buy a practice or start up on their own and the costs outlaid. There, and the hours they have to work it is just ridiculous. Now, people can say, oh, gee, yeah. is, gee, the vets in Brisbane or the vets in, you know, in Rome are the, geez, they charge a lot for a small dog. Well, it's mm. nothing on the insurance. It's nothing mm. on the costs, um, the, 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 the uh, public liability, all these factors that come in. The vets are Absolutely. so underpaid at the moment, it is ridiculous. So if you have this roundtable, we, we, we've got to get more money. Like, and I'm being genuinely, more money for vets and you've got to get more wanting to do it. Now, it's a chicken and the egg. People look at that and go, well, what's a veterinary cell? I've got an interest in animals. I want to do that. All right, well, what am I going to get paid? Well, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend five years and then earn that kind of money. So what is it, mm. that, what is it that you can do? to navigate this problem too because the, the the big thing is we need more vets. That's the first thing and you obviously need – and you can't mm. pass it on – well, you have to pass it on, but you can't pass it on to the point of that the vets are getting wealthy and everybody else is going broke every time they bring an animal to a vet. Oh, absolutely. And and you're right. Like, you know, you don't go into the veterinary industry to make money um, because you'd be a fool if you did that. Um, you know, the, the pay is just not there. But, you know, we, we know that vets do a lot of um, public good as well. So particularly in the areas of, you know, biosecurity and keeping an eye out for, you know, some of these really nasty diseases like foot and mouth and lumpy skin and stuff. It's vets that are on the front line who kind of spot these diseases. You know, they report them, they take samples to the labs and and they're going to be the ones that are sort of first diagnosing this. But the problem we have is that 
you know, um, we can't expect farmers to, you know, shoulder the burden of, um, you know, having bets out on all these properties and, you know, making sure that things are ticking over smoothly. And, and so what, you know, one of the things that we're calling for is increased public funding in, in getting vets back onto farms and getting vets, you know, more involved in things like biosecurity. At the moment, a lot of these things are done out of the pocket of um, veterinarians or out of producers. But we know that there's a lot of public good in keeping these diseases out. You know, the export meat industry is worth billions of dollars to the economy. So, um, you know, there's been pretty much no investment from the government in the veterinary industry. Um, and we're really calling on the federal government to um, to take some steps to, to change that um, because we just can't see how it can be sustainable going forward. I don't know how we're going to be able to keep having rural and regional vets if we don't get some action here, um, you know, whether it's support for increased biosecurity testing and, and observation by veterinarians on farms or even things like hex forgiveness for rural yeah. and regional veterinary graduates because we just need to be supporting more vets in the region. If we don't support them, we will lose them. That, that's unfortunately um, the path that we're going down. Are there the opportunities to fill the void at the moment to get some vets from overseas? Because from the doctor's perspective – like a local GP in the rural and regional towns, they never get any time off. They never get a break. And I would only mm. assume that this is the same with vets in rural and regional Australia, that mm. if they're a one-team town, they're on 24-7. They, they, they've got to live in the town. Their kids have got to go to the town. They, they've got to, you know, socialise in the town. Yet they've got to work in the town. If something happens, they're on call all the time. They don't get a break. So yeah. Yep. To, to fill this void, why you guys try and get so? Um, is there any chance at all that y- you might be able to fill that void with some overseas veterinarians, or is it a completely different course that they are learning and potentially puts them at risk in Australia? Yeah, look, it's a similar problem that we have with you know rural GPs and and you know trying to get foreign doctors to fill those voids. So. Um, Vets are on the priority skilled migration list, which means that, um, you know, if, if there's a vet with a relevant qualification from overseas, they want to apply to work into Australia, they do get fast tracked. But the problem that we have is that, um, you know, we don't recognize that many degrees. They pretty much have to be in English, um, which immediately, you know, restricts a whole bunch of countries, including some, you know, fantastic countries like Germany and France. Um, which produce very high quality graduates, but their degrees aren't in English. Um, so it's got to be in English. It's got to be from uh, universities that our boards recognise. There's actually a very small pool. And unfortunately, at the moment, the, the veterinary shortage is a worldwide phenomenon. So, um, you know, we're trying to, you know, call on vets from South Africa and Ireland and the sure. UK. Um, and those countries are experiencing shortages too. So, um, you know, in the short term, unfortunately, that's, that's not a, a huge solution. Certainly, we would love to kind of look at where, if there's other countries that we could potentially get graduates from. But at this stage, it's um, it's not a, a short fix. And we know that it takes between five to seven years to um, even produce a new veterinarian. So even if we were to increase student intake at our yeah, you're still seven years. You're still seven years away. Exactly. And there's going to be a dropout rate. I, I get it completely. Exactly. So something yeah. needs to happen. And it needs yep, to happen absolutely. quick. Um, are you confident that the federal government are willing to have this conversation? Look, we've had some initial discussions with them. Um, we've had a little bit of traction on things like hacks forgiveness for rural veterinary graduates, which all that does obviously is redistribute vets who might have gone to the city 
into the country, which is good. Sure. That prioritizes country areas, but it doesn't, you know, increase the number of vets that we have in Australia. And so far, we haven't had good engagement from the government on, you know, sort of longer term solutions in that area. So we are really trying to work with them. But unfortunately, I think, especially in the short term, um, the, the shortage is not going to be something um, that's going to go away too soon. So we need to make sure that the vets that we do have that we support them um, and particularly we support their mental health so they don't get burnt out and they don't leave the industry. We can't afford to lose any more vets. Yeah, it's a serious topic. Uh, Bronwyn, I appreciate your time this morning. I really do. Uh, it's one that we don't think enough about. Uh, Australian Veterinary Association President Dr Bronwyn Orr, thanks so much for being with us this morning. No worries. Thanks for having me. Good on you. Rural Queensland today.